Welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul. My co-host, Justin Baker, joining me on our 299th episode of today on the 16th of May of 2023. Justin, uh, we're almost to 300 episodes. Can you believe it? That's wild. (laughs) It is wild. That Uh, is wild. Yeah, that's about, I mean, we've been going for about five seasons, right? Five seasons. This is our fifth season. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, so five seasons and and about a show every week ish give or take give or take um so it's pretty cool yeah so we'll 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 do something special for our our 300th episode i'm not i'm not sure what yet but we'll we'll figure out something there um on today's show we're going to talk basically break down that second round because uh we weren't able to to record a show last week so we essentially missed the entire second round um we previewed it in the last episode and now here we are i justin remind me of your predictions again i i think we both had toronto is that right yes you had toronto in six i had them in five that's right clearly we both struck out on that one um you were right about the five games yeah yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, unfortunately that doesn't count towards our scores which after two rounds you were still up one point uh you and i both racked up two whole points mm. um, you so picked the for, you picked vegas yes so yeah. i picked vegas got them in seven you picked edmonton in seven um for dallas you and i both got that right but yep. uh, we both picked six games which clearly was and not then the i case. picked the canes and you and picked, you picked the canes yeah oh yes 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 okay yeah uh i mean it's it it, it has been it was a, a crazy second round i mean a great second round other than, you know, of course the Leafs losing is a, <laughs> a big bummer for me, but, uh, <laughs> I was going to say, well, I mean, what, you know, what am I going to do? I I can't do anything about it. Um, uh, still better than last year, better than last year. Here's the ironic thing. I, I don't know about you, but you know, I, I've, I watched every game very intensely and I will say last year's series against the Tampa Bay lightning. I think the Leafs played better and, <laughs> like, I thought that they outplayed Florida and they lost this time. So it's like they outplayed Tampa last year. They lost this year. Tampa, I think, outplayed them. I mean, coin flips, three overtime games um, on the road never happened before. So uh, that's I mean, they, you know, they win these coin flips. And so they win that first round. I th- I don't think that they played as well as they did the year before against Tampa. Then they go and they play Florida. And I thought they played just fine against Florida. What does Bobrovsky do in five games? Nine goals saved above expected. Like, well, what are you going to do? Um, that and I believe dating back to game six of the series against Tampa. So the Leafs moving forward from game six to uh, the final game of, of the second round, game five. The Leafs scored 14 goals in those seven games. And that is the worst seven games stretch offensively for the Leafs since 2008. Wow. That's unbelievable. That's a, that's a nice little stat you got there. I <laughs> love that. That's unbelievable. It have been 15 years, and that was a non-playoff team, by the way. So um, pretty crazy that, you know, you get into this stretch in the playoffs and this team that is supposed to be one of the top offensive teams in the league just could not score. And so it, it, was, it was disappointing for sure, but I guess... You know, what are you going to do? You, you run into a hot goalie. You kind of get unlucky a little bit. And uh, and Florida just seems like a team of destiny right now, right? 
it's 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 got that that slight feeling to it. I mean, I'll I'll just say Matthew Kachuk has got Consmite written all over him right now. I mean, the way he played, um, you know, I mean, both from a offensive production standpoint and, and both a physicality standpoint was incredible, right? I mean, they did a lot of interviews. I'm not sure if you've read any any of them with a lot of uh, the star players from Toronto and. Um, you know, obviously they, they talked to Ryan O'Reilly about his, you know, is he coming back, all that, that stuff. But, you know, what, what Ryan O'Reilly basically came out and said is we were outmatched physically and Matthew Kachuk just dominated us every time he was on the ice because of that. Right. And so it's, I mean, it's, and there's it's not, a, clear. A, a, honestly, it's not like you can just go, well, let's go get some tough players. Right. You, you can't <laughs> like, there's no one else like Matthew Kachuk. <laughs> Absolutely not. There is no equal to him in the NHL. I mean, even his brother, in my opinion, isn't even close on that same level. So, um, you know, again, you, you have to find other ways to contain him. And so, um, you know, that question is, you know, did did Sheldon Keefe do enough to, you know, adjust the lines, you know, well, yeah, I mean, matchups and stuff? But, there were still 40 other minutes a game where he wasn't on the ice. Right, exactly. Let's not That's forget about those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, you know, that, that series, I think it's, it's pretty obvious what happened. They stopped scoring. Their best players weren't their best players. You know, I think probably in like two or three of those games, David Kampf was the Leafs' best player. And that's no offense to David Kampf. That's just not going to fly. You're not going to win a playoff series if that's the case. No. All right. So that's uh, an unfortunate for the Leafs. Uh, you know, I, it's going to be an interesting road now. I mean, from a uh, from a podcasting standpoint, boy, you couldn't ask for more. <laughs> <laughs> coming from the Leafs because it's about to get wild. Like, is Dubis going to come back? Uh, are, who are they going to trade? Like, are one of these core four going to be dealt? You know, yeah. There's I mean, so some huge question it? marks now. Yeah. In, in that interview, too, I read, I think this article was on The Athletic, but basically, uh, you know, I, obviously Dubis is, you know, going to sit down with, with well, Brendan Well, Dubis Shanahan actually and, came, he, he spoke and he said, he said, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to be back next year. I have to talk to my family, which I think kind of was a little bit of a, a negotiation tactic. You know, Could like, be. well, I don't have to come back if I don't want to. Cause that, that kind of thing. Where then you're hoping the team goes, oh, but please come back. Which, right. Which, yeah, maybe. They maybe probably, it is, right? Yeah. yeah. But he, the one interesting thing he did say to me was he pointed to Matthew Kachuk and that big trade. He said, listen, you know, Florida kind of fizzled out last year, same as us. And the one thing they were missing, they went out and got, they, they made that move. They moved some key players and he kind of hinted a little bit to, you know, Hey, if I'm coming back, a big name's getting moved. Right. And yeah, so, yeah. um, that should be interesting to watch. Yeah. Like you said, from a, just from a podcasting perspective, that's going to be exciting for us. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's so, it's tough though, because I'll say William Nylander is probably their best player in that, in that series. Yeah. Agreed. And he's the, yeah, I mean, he's the most reasonable salary, six point, basically seven million bucks, um, easy to move in comparison to the other ones, um, and with only two years left, probably Mitch Marner is the most, uh, the most salivated. Like you'd get the most back for him, but do you really want to trade the Toronto native who like just put up a hundred, basically put up a hundred points? set your record for the longest point streak. You know, all these, like, he was probably their best player all year long. Do you really want to trade that player? Yeah, the crappy part is the guy you, you really need to trade, John Tavares, uh, he's got a no-move clause, and he says he doesn't want to go anywhere. So, yep, I know. Yeah, it's, I mean, to me, it just says it's probably going to be Nylander who, who has to get moved, but he's also a UFA at the end of the year. How much are you really going to get for him? Like, you're not going to get full value for him. 
So I, I honestly, when I look at this, I, I don't see any other option but to go Kerfoot's gone. Uh, maybe you bring back Ryan O'Reilly if it, if you can get him on the cheap, but uh, that's going to be tough. <laughs> Bunt, Bunting's gone. He's priced himself out. Uh, he's going to go. He's probably the best free agent available. <laughs> Yeah, between him and Bertuzzi, honestly, it's, yeah. it'll be a toss-up. I mean, Bertuzzi, obviously, I think, upped his, his price tag a little bit in the playoffs. But, um, yeah, I, I, it wouldn't shock me, though, if Boston tries to get a deal done with him because he he just fit in so good there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to look at this team and go, like, oh, there's it's it'd be really easy to just, like, go sign a player or, like, bring in someone different. I mean, what, what are you going to trade? Are you going to trade Austin Matthews? No. <laughs> like... It just doesn't seem to make sense. It seems like you almost just have to run it back again. I don't. I don't know. It's either run it back or, or just trade Nylander, get what you can for him, and um, or or maybe you see Marner as your Jonathan Huberdo. Well, really, what what I think you have to do is I think you have to. I mean, get a little bit of puck luck, in my opinion, right? You have right, to go find right. those guys like Max Domi, right, who were basically written off in Columbus. Uh, you know, dealt out to to Chicago, right? I mean, he signed with them at a low low term deal, and he's paid dividends for both Chicago and and Dallas. So you you want to go find those guys that teams have basically given up on, and and hope you can rejuvenate them a little bit, and that provides that depth to your bottom six. Yeah, but it just doesn't like. I mean, they've done that every year, right? Like they that they went out, they they traded for a bunch of guys. They got Ryan O'Reilly, Nolachari, uh, Sam Lafferty. Yeah, but a lot of these guys that they brought in, like, for example, I look back at, like, you know, um, oh God, Jason Spezza and Wayne Simmons. They went out and got these yeah. guys that had great careers and were at the end, right? So they bring them in. And that's, to me, that's the opposite of what they need to do, right? I mean, they need Matthew Nyes to step up and take another step, right? They need a lot of these younger guys to to take the next leap. But then I think, really, if you want my opinion, I think, you know, you look back at the back end at guys like Justin Hall and Timothy Lilligrand. Oh, he's gone. Yeah, Paul's see if you can't. Yeah, see if you can't get these guys, you know, moved or, or go somewhere else. And well, Hall's uh, trying UFA, to get, so Hall is for sure gone. He's oh he's yeah, done. yeah, without yeah. a doubt. But you know, I mean, again, just move pieces back there and see if you can't. You know, maybe try to get Luke Shen resigned at a cheap deal. But you know, see what see what you can move. Maybe try to get TJ Brody out of there. I don't know. I've, I mean, TJ Brody didn't have a good series against Florida, but I, I thought he played great against Tampa. No, I, th- I thought his season overall was, was good. But, uh, you know, again, I, I mean, you know, when you're trying to shake things up and trying to get a decent return up front. Yeah, right? I and, mean, yeah, I, and he's making five million bucks. There's there. Yeah, there's there is yeah. that. Yeah, maybe it's maybe it's uh, you know, more about just trying to to shake up everything else. I, I don't know. It's this is it's it's for anyone. I mean, it's easy to go like, well, we'll just trade Marner. Like, okay, yeah, you could trade Marner. Someone will take, like, lots of teams would gladly take Marner at 10, you know, 10.9 million. That's still fine. Like, teams would figure out how to fit him in there because for most teams, he'd be immediately become either a team's best or second best player. Right. Outside of, like, Edmonton, <laughs> there's no That's team right. where he'd even be their third best player. So uh, he'd be the easiest, and you'd probably have the most takers. But again, do you really want to trade away a kid who, Def, definitely wants to be there the most out of any of these guys. Yeah, and you're not going to get anything close back. You're not going to get anything relatable as far as like getting another Mitch Marner back, right, in return. So No, and there's no other Matthew Kuchuk's out there that you can go get. Right, exactly. 
Yeah, it's it's gonna be. I mean, you're kind of in a position where, like, can you? The problem is, can you run it back again? I don't know that you can. I don't know that you can look your fan base in the eye and go, "Just give us one more try." Like, then it's gonna right. be a repeat of the last two years. Like, I I think beyond before last season when the Leafs lost to Tampa in seven, I think it was re- like. There was the COVID year, and there was a loss to the Bruins. Like, it was reasonable. Like, okay, you know, this team's just kind of – these are the growing pains. And then that loss to Tampa in seven games, you were like, the Leafs outplayed them, and they still lost. And, like, maybe this group just isn't going to win. And you go, we can – let's run it back one more time. And that this year was supposed to be the one more time. Like, we can get out of the first round. They get out of the first round, then they basically get skunked in the second. And – you can't go back to the same thing. You just can't. Uh, and but I don't know what you do. I, yeah, it, it'll be interesting, and especially you know it, it'll be interesting to see what they do from a management standpoint, right? I think that's where we obviously start, and then you know, does the the new regime come in and want to tear everything down like a lot of times they do with rebuilds? But this is not a, a rebuild situation, so you know, it's I'm kind of with you, right? You want to go out and you want to you want to shake things up a little bit, but the return you're going to get and the pieces back, whether they're roster players or draft picks, aren't going to equal up to what they have, in my opinion. So it's, it's you know it's just one of those things where I, I think it's a double edged sword. You're just damned if you do, damned if you don't. Uh, yes. So here's here's a a thought for you here. Um. <laughs> Uh, what if the Leafs bought out John Tavares? <laughs> wow! What if okay. you just straight bought him out? Well, so here's the thing: if you if you buy him out, cap hit uh, uh, initial cap hit signing is, bonus, it's ten ten point. You're, yeah, you're still getting a cap hit of ten million dollars for the next two seasons. Yeah, that's uh, true. So there's, there's absolutely no, point. no savings. Yeah, that's, just because of the way it's structured, it's because of the signing bonus. Yeah. Uh huh. Because of his his base salary doesn't really change much, so yeah, that doesn't do any that doesn't do anything for you. Well, okay, so then the I, I know he is he is a no move, but could you convince him to take? No, probably not. Probably not. I mean, you, I, I would try my damnedest to convince him to go elsewhere, right? I mean, I and would, eat five and a half of it, maybe. Like I don't know if I would eat that much, or, but or I, eat I could three eat of it, three or four, maybe at the most. Yeah, right. You could go out and get a really good player for seven million bucks. Or maybe you go out and get like, you know, Ryan O'Reilly at three or four. You convince him to come in cheap, and then you can go out and get maybe like a guy like, like Max Domi, like I mentioned at three or four million bucks, and then you have a couple decent pieces there. But again, is it better than having John Tavares there? Right? I, mean, I, don't, I don't know. After John Tavares is a point per game player and scored a series winning goal, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's just. I think the issue is, and and here's why I don't think bringing back Ryan O'Reilly is a good idea, because. Their speed at center was a big problem uh, sure. in that series against Florida. I don't think that you can bring back Ryan O'Reilly um, and Tavares at the same time. I, I just don't think it works. Matthews is not slow, but he's not fast. So you you look at those three centers down the middle, and it just it's not going to work in the playoffs against a fast team. You need to have somebody who can who can cruise a little bit. And right, and this is why ultimately I think it's it's going to come down to coaching, in my opinion. Or you need to have where, some some faster wingers. Right. Yeah. 
But ultimately, I think this is going to be a situation where, like, you bring in just a coach who's completely different from Sheldon Keith. Maybe, I mean, honestly, do you, do you think they would go out and, you know, ask for permission from Chicago to talk to Coach Q? Or, I mean, Florida, Florida? to talk to Coach Q here? Do they have to ask? I think, didn't they? They ended. Well, so you have to ask the NHL for permission. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, the NHL, um, yes. Yeah. And then they have to start that process. But I, I mean, mean I'd be in a guy for that. Like that. I'd be in for that. Okay. <laughs> I think that that would be a great idea. Uh, I I do wonder if he goes to New York though. No, I, I heard New York's uh, already shut the book on that. They're not interested. So. Okay, all right. Yeah, and just because they don't want to go through that process with the NHL. I wonder if, like, knowing Kyle Dubas and knowing uh, maybe you know some of his like social uh, initiatives, I wonder if it would be maybe. Like if Dubis is back, I don't know that I see Joel Quinville coming in. If it's up to Shanahan and Shanahan alone, I could see it. I definitely could see it. If I was Shanahan, here's what I would do. I would go overseas because I know the Red Wings were looking at this before they brought in Derek Lalonde, but I would go tap one of his former teammates if I was Shanahan, like a Sergei Fedorov or Igor Larionov, guys who have had a lot of success overseas and who are just super intelligent hockey players that I think would come in and yeah, you know, but are you really, gonna are you gonna bring in a a totally fresh, never never coached in the NHL coach to do this? Maybe, maybe that's what you need, right? I mean, I don't know what Shanahan because that's uh, in my opinion, that's what they did with Keith. Like Keith had never coached in the NHL before. Well, sure, they and, brought him in because he knew he worked wonders in the minors with these right, young guys. And, right. Yeah, but now you bring in you know veteran hockey players who have that respect, kind of like Rod Brendamore, right? You brought him in. Look yeah. how that turned out. Yeah. So. That's very true. Um, well, I, I think as far as the Leafs go, I think probably like towards the end of this week and into next week, we're going to know a lot more. Like this has yep. to be solved pretty quickly, whether Dubas is coming back. And then once that's solved, you're going to find out if Keefe is coming back and so on and so forth. Uh, it is, I think, worth noting that the Leafs did just have the their greatest regular season in franchise history. <laughs> and won their first playoff round in 20 years. So there are some positives to uh, to be had out of this year. It just it's very very hard to win in the NHL. There are 30 really good teams. <laughs> like there are yeah. 30 teams that are gunning for uh for those wins. And so I mean even to win a round is something to when all when all the dust is settled to celebrate. And then, you know, obviously they need to go further. I get it. But they're there are there are positives, and they're also like oh, some of this is just a coin flip, and I I think that the Leafs could could have just as easily won that series against Florida had Bobrovsky, uh, you know, let in a couple of those goals, or you know, hey, maybe if uh, if we add a little tracking device to the puck, I don't know that tells you that it's in. That, no goal. I, that was that was. I mean, literally everyone knows it was a goal, but also everyone agrees that. We we can't know for sure, but we all know that we all know for sure. <laughs> right. It was a goal. It was a goal. Now I, I get it. Hey, it would have only tied the game up at two, and that doesn't mean the Leafs. You know, it doesn't mean that the the same outcome happened. Like Nylander scores later in the game. I, that that's the one thing that I go back to is that like yeah, that could have been called a goal, but you know what? They tied it up later anyways. So they got their second. They got that second goal. It doesn't mean that they would have scored a third right after that. It could have, you know, Florida could have done something, and and uh, it would have changed the whole game. So, I uh, I think ultimately moot point. 
who cares? They ended up tying the game anyways, and they couldn't get it done. And they also screwed themselves over by losing the first three games. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay. Well, now that we've done 20 minutes on the Leafs, uh, sorry <laughs> if you if you hate the Leafs. Uh, sorry. Well, I guess maybe if you hate the Leafs, you like this conversation because you like hearing about them uh, having to <laughs> jettison right? players. Um, you want to go Edmonton Oilers next? So I'd say that that's the if if the Leafs had the greatest expectations out of any team going into that second round, I'd say the Oilers were a close second. Uh, the the Edmonton Oilers ultimately lose in six to the Golden Knights, and I think it's pretty fair to say that ultimately goaltending you know, won out for the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, I mean that to me was was half the story, right? I think you you look at one side of the coin. Uh, the, you know, the Golden Knights basically are down to their third and fourth string goaltenders, and uh, they managed. To Although get Aiden it done. Hill, Aiden Hill looks like <laughs> he looks phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, he looked great. But he's, I mean, I he mean was, he's a he's like a probably probably if if we were giving him a full season, he's like a one B uh, on a lot of teams. Oh, he's a backup. I yeah. mean, he looked. I thought when you know Vegas initially brought him on, like that was the long-term backup option over Brassois, yeah. right? right? And you know, obviously, you know they they felt differently, and um, you know, again, it, it didn't didn't end up biting them in the ass, which is great. So, um, but you know, again, Aiden Hill comes in, looks great. On the flip side, Stuart Skinner, in my opinion, was just mediocre. He had you know two decent games this this series, but ultimately uh, had a lot of flubs. Was was yanked in one of them, and um, you know. I, Again, I just I'm looking at you know the goals against here. Basically, outside of his two losses or his two wins, where he only let in one goal apiece, he let in either four, 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 or five goals. Right, those are the four games. So, um, yeah, you know, I, that, I, I don't necessarily put all of that on him. Um, no, not Edmonton Oilers were just god awful five on five. They could yeah, not score five. That's on the five. other flip side of it, right? I mean, you look at what you look at McDavid and Drysdale, their point totals and what they were able to do. I mean, look, twelve of McDavid's twenty points were on power play, and then Bouchard, right, fifteen of his seventeen on the power play. Drysdale, eight of his eighteen on the power play. So there was definitely a lack of five-on-five scoring going on there from this from this club. And I mean, that you know, when you have depth from Vegas at the forward group and defensive group where they can you know, play that five on five game and, and compete with almost any team. And then you look at Edmonton and right, right outside that top line, it just, it stunk. So, and, and you, you know what, any- the, the, the one game where Petrangelo is suspended, that's the game you needed to win mm-hmm. and you couldn't do it. You know, probably Vegas right. is definitely Vegas's best defenseman. Uh, maybe, you know, top three oh, player on, on Vegas is, is out for the game. And yes, I know they, they were also down Darnell nurse, but let's not mix pleasantries like darnell nurse is not the impact player that alex petrangelo is um darnell nurse maybe by the way uh maybe find me a more overpaid player than darnell nurse at <laughs> 9.25 i agree with you who's more overpaid uh if if you by the way if we are on twitter at ot hockey talk if, if you can think of somebody who is more overpaid than darnell nurse please just just let us know uh what you think um yeah, I ultimately this Oilers team. I mean, I love the the move bringing in Ekholm. Uh, however, I'll still say that defensive, like defensively, they just weren't good enough five on five, and really offensively, they they just couldn't get it done. I think a lot of that stems from the back end. Outside of Bouchard, 
Uh, and Ekholm's good, but he's not necessarily the phenomenal puck mover. I, I think that's really what you're missing. When you're paying a guy $9.25 bucks, and they're not a great puck mover, It's that's a, that's a big hit to take. And to me, that is the probably what's holding the Oilers back the most because really Nardell Nurse should probably be making five or six million and up to to have a, a an extra three four million dollars available and under your cap uh, that's a pretty darn good player and that may be Ken Holland's biggest mistake as the Edmonton Oilers general manager yeah that's and, the Justin Advocator contract yeah. In Detroit, right? Yeah. I mean, that's essentially Just what it is. Just valuing somebody way too high. Like, no one else would have given him anywhere close to that. Right, exactly. And that's that's the thing, right? At the at the time, we had, you know, Zach Wierenski, all these Seth Jones. We had all these defensemen getting these big deals. And, and, you know, of course, I think there was a little panic on the side of, you know, Ken Holland, where he just says, you know what? We At the time, they didn't have Ekholm. So, of course, you only have one legit number, you know, yeah. top-pairing top guy. Defenseman. And so you're like, we can't afford to lose them, so let's just overpay and hope it works out. And clearly, it's, uh, it's come back to bite them. Yeah, and it's you know, it also it's not to say that Darnell Nurse uh, can't hit another level. Uh, I mean, he did have a career high in points this year and uh, at 43 points, but at 9.25 million, looking at the point totals that some of these other defensemen are putting up, uh, it, it's hard to justify. Like, well, yeah, not only that, but I think his two-way game, in my opinion, just isn't there where, no. where some guys like Pitcher Angelo are just so much right. better at, right? Victor right. Hedman, his two-way game is phenomenal, right? Probably the best in the league. And so, um, I, Honestly, I will say this, though. I, I think that Darnell Nurse has maybe the ability to still – I mean, he's 28 years old, but uh, I look at him and see, like, why, why can't you be kind of like that Jacob Truba type of player? Like Jacob Truba's making eight million dollars, and he doesn't put up huge points either. Uh, he's almost like who I who I would hope and want him to be is this like maybe he needs to be a little more physical, and that that could uh, bring out maybe some more of the positive aspects of his game because really Jacob Truba, I mean, he drives the New York Rangers. That's what makes him so valuable is that he's just this presence on the ice. And Darnell Nurse has had that before. Um, I think he's gotten away from it, and I wonder if he were to, you know, take a book out of Truba's Truba's book and a page out of Truba's book, and uh, and kind of adjust his game to being a little bit more of a a prick. That it would <laughs> yeah, maybe. it would change his game. Oh, just a thought, just a thought for you uh, there, Darnell. <laughs> just, uh, it's a good thought, though. I know you're listening. Um. Okay, so the Edmonton Oilers sounds like Ken Holland will be back for one more season, and that uh, Elliot Friedman said he thinks this is it. This will be Ken Holland's last season as GM of the Oilers. So yeah, be- I, it wouldn't shock me at all, especially because I think you know you're going to start to get to the point where people are going to speculate about McDavid's future in there, right? I yeah, mean, yep. And you want? I mean, at that point, you know, Ken Holland he's he's got to be what is he? He's got to be pushing seventy, right? Pretty close. He's sixty-seven. Yeah, so yeah, he's up there in age. I, I mean, hey, Lou Lamarillo's doing it. It's not like he can't. Uh, but yes, if you're if you're not going to be back, I mean, it just makes sense to bring somebody else in, st- allow them to like build the culture they want to build it, and and then you know hopefully re-sign Drysaitel and McDavid so they're Oilers for life. Uh, but 
I'll, I'll say Holland has done a really nice job in Edmonton, a better job than I thought he would do. The Hyman deal was a, a really nice one. Evander Kane, what a what a trade that turned out to be for the Oilers. Uh, but you know there there were there some misses too, and and that Darnell Nurse one is a a doozy. Same with Jack Campbell. There's like ten million bucks that you. <laughs> well, the, so so let, let me ask you there because that's that's another thing, right? We talked about goaltending. Uh, Jack Campbell's numbers were were decent when he was in, and I'm actually shocked. And I don't know if maybe this this leads to a change in coaching, but why didn't you go to Jack Campbell at least one game and just see what he could, you know, bring you in that series if he could slow down this, you know, deep Vegas attack? Yeah, it. You know, we're we're seeing it over and over again that. In the regular season, teams are happy to go between two goalies and come playoff time. Teams just cannot do it. They can't do it. And, you know, it's funny because the two teams that sort of did it in the playoffs, which are, I mean, Vegas has had to do it kind of by necessity, but Vegas has done it and Carolina's done it. And guess who's in the conference finals? The two teams that are switching out their goalie <laughs> when when they, you know, felt like they needed a change. So... Yep. It maybe is something to, to look at. I mean, I hey, if your goalie's used to playing every third or fourth night and now they're playing every other night, that's that's a big deal. I mean, I, I get it for Florida. Like, with Florida, you go, well, it's Bobrovsky. Like, he just, he's making so much money and he's hot. Like, you just ride it out until, until you can't. But I, I do think that if Florida were to falter, if he were to falter a little bit, I don't think they have any problem going back to Alex Lyon. Nope. Oh, I that's I think that's the uh, in, in Dallas they're not going to do that because Ottinger is the man. He's the guy. He he was playing. I mean, he's one of the few goaltenders in the league. Uh, I'd say you know you you've got Hellebuck. Uh, you know there there's there are goalies who play the majority of their team's games. I guess the vast majority, like Ottinger played 62 above, above those 60 games played, but it's, it's becoming more and more rare. So, you know, if you do that in the regular season, okay, then yeah, you should stick with Ottinger all year long. Uh, but when you're switching in all year, it just makes sense to continue that in the playoffs, at least after a loss. So that's uh, I, I, I wonder if it's just, it's just going to take longer for that to, come to fruition like it's finally happening in the regular season where teams aren't trying to play their goalies a million games now maybe maybe it comes out in the playoffs at some point yeah i think it's going to take a team that has rotated goaltenders a little bit to win the cup before teams hey if carolina goes and wins the cup i you know i i think you could see it Uh, all right uh where are we going next we go seattle kraken Let's do the it. The most unexpected second round team, uh, the Seattle Kraken. I mean, uh, there's there's nothing bad to say about the Kraken because they exceeded all expectations. Um, they shattered expectations, and they did so with their highest paid player being their garbage goalie until the playoffs. Philip Grubauer <laughs> at five point nine million dollars. Uh, there's no other team in the I think in the playoffs that have a lower max cap hit than the Seattle Kraken. So just paying a whole bunch of guys like four or five million bucks. And uh, they, of course they, they upset the Stanley cup champions from the previous year, the Colorado avalanche. And uh, they 
did their darndest. They came, you know, within a goal of beating the Dallas. Now, I guess they scored a goal with what, like nine seconds left or 14 seconds left or something like that in the yeah. in game seven, but they still, they were one goal away from tying that, that game up. And they, they definitely gave it their darndest. Uh, congratulations to the stars, but where do the Seattle Kraken go next? Like, it's going to be hard to repeat a season like this, right? Like this is kind of your like, band of brothers like nobody believes in us and and we're a bunch of middling guys and let's you know play the system and they scored a bunch of goals and uh can they do this again well so here's the here's the big thing now i think you know the difference between you know there's there's a couple things different between this year and last year right i mean now obviously you've got vince dunn who's a legit number one defenseman so you've got that piece kind of checked off your bucket list of you know becoming a successful you know i guess playoff team if you want to call it that um they've they've had some success they beat the stanley cup champs so now you've got a little bit of a reputation saying hey we're we're a legit team we're we're going to be taken for real we can compete with the big dogs um and not only that but now you've got you know young guys coming up like ty cartier matthew Beneers, these guys shane wright <laughs> right shane wright's uh, knocking at the door too these young guys that look legit uh, like they're going to be legit top six guys and you've got cap space to burn. So for me, the next move is ultimately they're going to have all the firepower they need now to entice uh, free agents to come this way. Now, of course, the, you know, the one big caveat to that is, you know, can you get Philip Grubauer to play this way again next season? Um, that's a big question mark. But I think outside of that, right, you've got enough firepower to say, hey, we're a legit contender. Uh, we can go out and snag ourselves a top six free agent if we wanted to a guy maybe like, you know, Ryan O'Reilly maybe wants to come there. I don't know. I mean, you know, because now teams, you know, players can look at this team and say, hey, you know what? This is a legit playoff team, right? So I can go there and I can have a shot to compete. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, maybe they're just one or two pieces away from making that next step to where people take them a little bit more seriously. Yeah, I, I think you're right about now free agents are going to look there as, hey, if I go there, I'm going to have a legitimate chance of making the playoffs and like maybe going on a little bit of a run. And that's definitely a big deal. Like, there's a reason why free agents don't sign in Arizona. Uh, right. <laughs> but yeah, they they and they've got the the cap space to to do some things. You know, they've got some some UFAs that I don't think that they'll bring back, and they're they're just really interesting. You know, it'll I I wonder the path that they'll take versus Vegas, where Vegas I think really felt like after the year that they went to the Stanley Cup Finals, their first year, that oh, we can be a little bit better, you know? And then they kind of took some steps backwards and they, they lost in the first round a couple times, second round, and um, but they kept going for that big dog. Like, oh, where you know, they went for Mark Stone and they went for Jack Eichel and they they really used a lot of the the draft picks and the, the prospects that they drafted and, and they used those players to be able to bring in big name players very quickly. Now, that really is what, the Kraken are missing. They don't really have that big name player. And well, uh, Matthew Benier, uh, with yeah, Matthew Beniers looks like he's going to be really good. You know, Shane Wright. We all assume that he's going to be a top six forward. I, I don't know that either of these guys are poised to be absolute superstars. We got to think that they're really good. I think they're really good. Going to be really good. Like Matthew Beniers could be a point per game player, which is which is really like really great. Uh, but are we looking more like you know maybe Matthew Beniers' ceiling is more like uh, 
Oh, it's somebody who is, you know, they're not going to go and maybe in a, in a one-year one-off, <clears throat> you you have him go and put up a Ryan Nugent Hopkins kind of like a 100-point season, but that's not going to be his regular. I, I don't think that that's where you're getting with Matty Benier. So I'm just wondering if, you know, does Seattle try and eventually go and pull in the big fish like Vegas does, or is this going to be more of a, all right, cool, we made the playoffs, but we're not going to go away from – from what made us us. No, I, I think they're going to be the type of team, at least to start, um, they're going to try to get it done by committee, right? They're not going to rely on, like, you know, for instance, Edmonton, where they've got to rely on two superstars to, to move the needle for you the whole entire way, right? I think they'll do it by committee where they can roll out, you know, 10, 11 guys at the forward position that can all get it done and contribute offensively. And so, um, you know, again, there's something to be said for that because, again, I, I don't think there's, you know, again, looking at this offseason, there's no big-name free agents that I think are really going to, um, you know, push the needle that much for this team. But, you know, again, if you have the opportunity to come in and you can get an Alex Kalorn or maybe, you know, a Vladimir Tarasenko to come in there and, and contribute, right? Now you've got a little bit more depth. You've got a little bit more firepower and experience and that Stanley Cup pedigree that I think they would really like, um, you know, again. But maybe they, like you said, maybe they – take the Vegas route. Maybe they go to a team like New York that's maybe looking to move one of these younger guys, either Kako or Lafreniere. Maybe they make a play on one of those guys, and maybe a change of scenery is just what it need, mm. what's needed to get one of these guys' top draft picks uh, to that next level. Because I look at Matty Beniers, right? I think he's he's a guy who could be maybe like a Sebastian Ajo or Dylan Larkin, not necessarily um, a superstar, but a guy okay. who's Yeah, I'm, I'm in for that comp. That's a good comp. Yeah. That, yeah. A Nugent Hopkins, like that's a, I'd say comparable yeah. to those guys where you're like, you're you're good, but if you're your team's best player in the long run, it's you're probably not going to win the cup. Yeah, I I mean, listen, Carolina's getting it done right now, and they don't have, I mean, in my opinion, no legit superstars. I think they've got star talent player with Aho and, and, and Dougie Burns. Hamilton and Brett Burns, but I'm sorry, not Dougie Hamilton, either. Brett Burns. Um, but again, no superstars on that team, right? And so that's the one thing I think, um, you know, that Carolina needed to me this offseason to, to bring in. And, you know, thought Pacioretty was enough to get it done. But, you know, clearly Carolina doesn't need it. They've got good coaching. You've got a good system. And maybe if Seattle can somehow figure out a way to get a good system in for their guys they have now and they bring in one or two other pieces that can contribute just like, you know, um, you know your George Stalls or your, you know, M- Martin Newhook. I mean, your Newhooks there. Uh, Alex Newhook. Gosh. Yeah, sorry. You know, I mean, some of these other guys on on the the back end, the bottom end. Um, you know, hey, Seattle could take that next step, right? And um, you know, who knows? They could surprise some people next year. Yeah, yeah, and you know, it wouldn't wouldn't hurt having a healthy Andre Burakovsky, and you know, he was their big free agent signing last year, so uh, hurt to have him miss time. Uh, right. Okay, let's go to our last team eliminated in the second round, and that would be the New Jersey Devils eliminated in five games. You know, I, I thought it, I guess, ironic and strange that uh, the it almost ended this way. So you had, you know, of course, uh, uh, Siegenthaler had that uh, over-the-net delay a game penalty that ultimately ended their season because uh, the Carolina scored on the power play to end the series in game five. And then in overtime in game five, Leafs against the Panthers, Brody goes to the box for a uh, <laughs> a delay of game as well. I thought, man, this is going to be weird if both Eastern Conference finals end on that. But, you know, Florida didn't score on the power play, but they scored shortly after that. Uh, 
But New Jersey season ends uh, losing in game five to the Carolina Hurricanes. And uh, I I think I also heard Lindy Ruff talked about it. Uh, he said it's the second time in Carolina that he had lost because of a delay a game penalty. <laughs> he lost in overtime in uh, 2006 when he was coaching the Buffalo Sabres to the Hurricanes in the conference finals. Uh in in overtime so two series lost in carolina in with the guy in the penalty box for uh flipping the puck over the net so that's got to be that's got to sting oh that's funny um all right yeah i mean new jersey shoot they probably took the biggest step forward out of any team in the eastern conference uh they finally did it right like we've been tooting their horn for a few years now and here they are i'd say is it fair to say the new jersey devils have arrived yeah, yeah, that's absolutely fair to say. I mean, you look at the talent they have there, and they're they're all legit players, right? There's no doubt Jack Hughes is a you know a, a star player in this league, not a superstar yet, but he's a star player in this league. Um, you know, and same with Nico Heischer. I mean, he's not necessarily at Jack Hughes level in my opinion, but you know, he's he's a legit top six centerman. And so I think you know if you look at a team that has two legit centers, you've got a, a star defenseman on the back end and. You know, if you can figure out that goaltending, I mean, there's no doubt in my mind this team is going to be competing for the next, you know, five, ten years. Yeah, I think, I mean, I don't think anybody should be mad about the way that Akira Schmid played in the playoffs. I thought that he handled himself well. You know, ultimately they run into a Carolina team that just matched up really well against the Devils. Uh, but I, I didn't have any problem with the way he played. He's 23 years old. His first playoff run, he ended up playing nine games, a 9-2-1 save percentage. And I I think that when all is said and done now, I mean, it's this is pretty easy. Like, Mackenzie Blackwood is not going to get re-signed. Uh, he, only, he played 22 games. He wasn't very good. Uh, I can't see. He's arbitration eligible. I don't even know if the Devils will uh, qualify him. I don't know well, why. You I mean, would. there's no point, right? <laughs> so I think that they let him walk, and watch. He'll go to some other team, and he'll be good. Uh, that just seems to be what happens. But I, I think going into next year with a a Vanacek and Schmid going one A one B, and then you know we'll see if Schmid can kind of continue his growth process. Like, I mean, this is his first real full league, full year in the NHL. He played well in the regular season, and. I, you know, you're obviously hoping that you can see more out of that and uh, that those, well, he's played 27 games this year uh, and he's had a 922, 921 save percentage in all those games. So if he can continue anywhere close to that, you've got yourself a special player. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think similar to uh, Joseph Wall in Toronto, I think it, it, it was yeah. a coming out party, I think, yep. for both these goaltenders yep. to say, hey, you know what? We're legit goaltenders, whether or not. You know, they can sustain that type of success moving forward is one thing, but I do think they're now considered legit at least 1B goaltenders moving forward right. for both of their clubs. So, yeah, yeah, I um, think it's it's more or less just like, okay, you don't need to you don't need to shelter me anymore. I'm ready to play in the NHL on a exactly. regular basis. Both those guys, you're right. Both of them, they like Matt Murray, the Leafs need to do something with them and and then move on from them uh, because I think Assuming that you you know you can get Samsonov signed, I think that that's you're good one A one B. Like Samsonov was good, uh, and it it took an injury to get Joseph Wall in there, but he played really well too. So yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the great thing for New Jersey is, right, a lot of these younger players, they got that playoff experience. They they know what it's, it's like to go up against – you know, a team maybe, you know, maybe a little bit out coached, out system. But, um, you know, the bottom line is for those younger guys, uh, they need this kind of experience and it's it's only going to help with their development. So uh, for me, I think that's that's just going to be phenomenal. Um, I, I will say I did just look it up while we were while we were uh, talking about the, the Toronto goaltending situation. Uh, if they do decide to buy out Matt Murray, <laughs> I literally uh, have it right healthy. in front of me, too. I just, I just yeah. use the calculator. Yep. So uh, only a six hundred eighty-seven thousand cap hit next season, which yeah, would be save yourself very 5. palatable. Three million, and then you have a two million dollar cap hit the year after that. That's with uh, the caps going up huge. So right, right, and you got to think that like there's for that kind of cap savings, there's just no reason to give up a you know a first round pick or or even a second round pick. Not that they have one. Uh, I would I'd say you know you buy him out and that's, that's how you move on from this contract. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And then, and then Ilya Samsonov, he's on this, he's arbitration eligible too. So, you know, you've got him for at least one more year and hopefully you can sign him to something reasonable. You know, if you, if you can get him at, at two, five for three years, two, five for, for even a couple years and see where he's at from there. I, I think it provides everyone enough stability to make it worth it. But. Yeah, and not only that, but now by buying out Murray and getting Samsonov in at a, a you know reasonable price, now you've got a couple million bucks you can throw around to a third line guy to bring in. Absolutely, and you know, and without Kerfoot's three and a half million, I mean, you've got a lot of players coming off the books, uh, but a lot of those players are are pretty cheap, like Camp at one point five. I think you want to bring a, bring back David Camp if you can, uh, if he's willing to come back for something similar, but. Uh, I, I think after that playoffs that Nolachari had where I think he threw 78 hits or something like that in, in their games. I, it really was. I think he was at 75 midway through game five, which is insane. <laughs> 75 right. hits in, uh, in what, 10 games? That's, <laughs> that's a guy that people are going to want to add to their roster, and they'll be willing to pay more than $1.25 million a year. So he, yeah, I think uh, so. he's going to be in big demand um okay sorry we we went back to the leafs we're supposed to be talking about the devils uh what do you see what do you see the devils doing this off season where do we go from here oh yeah i i think really you don't have to do much if you're new jersey i think really you just kind of got to fine tweak the players you do have um, and sign the ones that you want to keep right like you had meyer sharingovich and brat which brat and meyer are the two main ones uh yeah to resign i mean yeah, those those are the big names, right? And they I don't actually know. have six, uh, six forwards eligible for arbitration. <laughs> right, <which laughs> That's crazy. pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, but I'm mean, if if I'm being honest, though, and looking McKenzie at New Black Jersey, I don't I don't know if Timo Meyer is coming back. Um, to me, he just looked. And, and again, maybe they think, okay, cool, we're going to go give him another year to really settle in yeah. with the team, right? Yeah. But to me, he just he looked out of place. Um, and again, that could be because he's just getting into a new system. He's learning, you know, learning all new names and players that he's, you know, he's been with San Jose for so long. Um, but, you know, hey, maybe if you're New Jersey and you want to, again, uh, just shake things up a little bit, right? He's a piece that you could move and, and bring back something for that. But, it, you know, if they want to, you know, move forward with him, I think, you know, obviously the price tag is going to be the hard part because you have to qualify him at 10 million bucks. Well, because is, of the uh, because of the way arbitration works. They can uh, they can do so. I don't remember the name of it. I mm-hmm. but they can do an arbitration ruling 
where they say we are willing to pay him the like whatever the the equal to amount for that 10 million which comes out to 8 million like they can do something yeah. in arbitration where he would come out and have to sign a one year 8 million dollar deal gotcha. so i think 8 million is probably his cap hit unless they can get him signed to a really long term deal yeah that'll be interesting which, I mean, well, they'll, which they'll why have... would you give him a long term deal at this point no, I wouldn't. I would give him another season. But, again, one more season, and he's a UFA. He can walk for nothing, right? So, right. Um, but, you know, again, they've, they've got a ton of ton of cap space. Um, I wouldn't go, you know, obviously they're going to eat up a big chunk on Jesper Brad and Timo Meyer, But, um, yeah, it should be interesting to see because, like, guys like Tomas Tatar, right? I mean, you know, obviously I don't think four and a half is, is the price he's going to command in any open market. But he looked, he looked pretty good, but he obviously just lacked a little offensive production. I would have liked to have seen – more of that but i think from a two-way game he played pretty well so uh same with eric Halla. i think you know again I, I wanted more from him but he still played a good enough two-way game um to where he brought some value there so it'll be interesting to see if they can bring some of those names back that are ufas that maybe just could you know walk elsewhere yeah i i mean i think largely you're right that like this devil's team is going to look pretty similar uh, it's just a matter of is is timo meyer there when the dust settles or do you decide, yeah, we're going to, you know, we're going to move on from it maybe at the draft and you're able to, uh, what they trade? They basically traded a, a couple like B-level prospects, Andreas Janssen and, uh, and two firsts, right? So maybe you can recoup a first and a second for Timo Meyer, uh, probably even more. Um, assuming that he's willing to sign a long-term deal with you. Sure. You know, if you were if you traded two first round picks for Timo Meyer and he signed a an eight year deal with you or a seven year deal, whatever, uh, I I think that'd be palatable. So I think New Jersey could almost recoup most of their assets in trading them. Yeah, maybe this is one of those rare sign and trades we finally get to see, so we can get that. It's never gonna years. happen, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> we we always talk about it. It's never gonna happen. Never. Um, okay. Well, let's uh, let's preview these other two these two final conference final series uh as you know those teams that are eliminated we've gone through them all uh, should we start in the eastern conference Let's carolina go. florida we've got our uh, old southeast division play a conference final here with the hurricanes and the panthers uh, i think this is the, the the uh this is the first time that the florida panthers have been in this position since 1996 so good old john van beesbrook yeah yeah uh, what do you see this series looking like? Because Florida has made, I'll say Florida's made two teams that are, are superior. I'll say it like talent wise are superior. They've made two teams look pretty silly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, again, just starting up front, right. I think looking at the four group, you could say that on paper, um, you know, Florida's got the, the stronger weapons, but again, like you mentioned with Carolina, that, that doesn't really matter. They'll, They'll do whatever they want to do, uh, you know, and hold you to however many goals they feel like holding you to because they just play such a good system, um, no matter how their roster is built. So um, what I'm interested to see is uh, who comes out of here with less bruises, to be quite honest, because I know, you know, again, when you look at, you know, the way the Hurricanes like to play, they, you know, they they play a, a, a tough game. You're going to I think you're going to see guys like Jordan Stahl uh, really throwing their weight around, hitting everything that moves. And same with. You know, Matthew Kachuk, I mean, he's obviously going to hit any Hurricane player that touches the puck. So it'll be really interesting to see who comes out of here unscathed. And, you know, of course, the the big question mark for me is going to be 
you know, Carolina's back and can it continue the success they've had? Because to me, that's where I think, you know, they've gotten a majority of their offensive web or their offensive successes from is from the back end because guys like Brent Burns, um, you know, and Jacob Slavin, they know how to get rid of the puck quick. They don't hold on. They don't make Aaron passes and, you know, yep. and they get it through like, those little holes. Right. And especially like on the power play, right. When I, you, you know, you have that pass where it's going across the blue line, you know, you know, defenseman to defenseman or forward to defenseman. Uh, a lot of teams can turn it over really quick because there's just a little bit of pressure. And then the guy's going back the other way and scoring a shorty. Now, Carolina doesn't make those kind of mistakes on the back end. So it'll be really interesting to see if they can continue that success. Yeah. And can, you know, man, Florida, they, they don't need to have the puck for very long. No, (laughs) I do not. I think in that game five, they had the puck for 41 seconds in the first period in the offensive zone. And they were up two nothing 41 seconds of offensive zone possession. That's wild. (laughs) Like, I, I mean, some of that has you have to contribute it to, you know, hey, they got fortunate. They scored on the couple chances they had. But at the same time, they are just so opportunistic. You can't take that away from them that they they find this way of putting themselves into phenomenal score, goal scoring positions. And, you know, they, they're going to capitalize on a higher percentage of those because of how how high of a, a danger chance they are uh, and because of their speed. I, I do think that Carolina, you know, when you compare compare Carolina to Boston or Toronto, certainly they don't have the, uh, theoretically, the offensive firepower, although even though both of us at different times, I think, have kind of knocked Carolina's ability to score, all Carolina has done is, like, be the highest scoring team in the playoffs still. Uh, <laughs> oh, only. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's not like they, they're not struggling to score goals um, because of their system. Uh I, I wonder here if their system actually matches up really well with Florida because, I mean, they are an, another team who's going – they're going to have the offensive zone time over Florida. Florida doesn't care. But I actually think because of Carolina's back end where they've got a lot more speed on their back end and like I was talking about with the Leafs where the Leafs centermen tend to be very slow, I think when you look at Carolina and you go, you know, Ajo, definitely not slow uh, – Jordan Stahl, he's on the slower side. But uh, other than that, like Colt Kinyemi, for all his struggles, he's definitely not slow. Uh, Martin Nietzsche is playing down center. Uh, even Paul Stastny, who's an older guy, but he's not hes not slow. Uh, this is a team who down the middle, where Florida likes to do that little flick up, you know, the, the alley-oop pass. I think that a lot of these centers who are faster on, on Carolina than they are in Toronto, I think that some of that will get negated. And because I just like Carolina's defense more than Toronto's, I think that they they stop the rush more often. They're they're in better position, uh, and they're they're better skaters. I think that they're going to be able to handle Florida because of that. Okay, yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, the one big thing I will say when you when you talk about centers, right, is um, you know, is Carolina going to be able to win the faceoff? You know, against um, you know Florida, right? I mean. When you look at that Toronto series, definitely, um, you know, from the stats that I saw, Toronto had the, held the edge in faceoffs. Now, obviously, that didn't matter, but I do think when you're, you know, obviously going deep in these playoffs, you you need to have success at the at the center dot to be able to create those offensive chances, especially in the offensive zone. If Florida can win the faceoff and you know flip pass, get out the other way, right, uh, that could create some rush chances going going back, you know, in favor of Florida. But um, to me, 
you know, again, I, I agree with you. I think Carolina's defense is going to be much, much better than, than Florida's. But, you know, if, if you know, Ekholm or Ekblad can take it up just a little bit more and, and Brandon Montour continue that success, I, I wouldn't worry too much about Florida's back end because, you know, guys like I've, I've watched Mark Stahl, not a single point, but still seems to be in on all the plays. He's playing so, I mean, much, much better than I thought he was compared to when he was here in Detroit for the last couple seasons. So it'll be interesting to see if he can continue It's like he's well. got something to play for. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll give this to the Panthers. I think the one area that they, they do have, certainly you mentioned at the top of the, the valuation, like they don't, nobody has a Matthew Kachuk. Or a, yeah, a Matthew Kachuk. So there, there's that edge. Uh, but I think in goaltending, as long as Bobrovsky is going to play like this, uh, that's that's the ultimate wild card. Like he's playing like a ten million dollar goalie right now, and that is going to be tough to beat. Uh, but I but I think that Freddie Car- Anderson don't look too bad either. So he doesn't. But it's Freddie Anderson. So you know, I'll give you that. The, it's Freddie Anderson. The pressure. <laughs> I I will say for care like this is this is really a compliment to Carolina. They haven't really had much pressure so far. I mean, they just have <coughs> they've they've been able to take care of things. They've been up in every series the whole time. Uh, it's a little di- different if you find yourself down in a series. How do you play? You know, that's that is a that is a thing. Uh, now he's hey he's played in game sevens before. He's he's certainly had his failures, but he's had some successes as well. So I I don't I don't dislike Frederick Anderson. I just uh, I'm just giving the edge in goaltending to the Florida Panthers because Bobrovsky is a two-time Vesna Trophy winner, and Frederick Anderson is not. Well, that you are correct about, yes. sir. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. I'm very objective. <laughs> um, all right, look, give me your prediction on this series. Where do you think we're going? Who's winning? Yeah, I, I think you mentioned that the X factor for me is Matthew Kachuk, right? Uh, Carolina doesn't have one of these, and they haven't played against one of these uh, types of guys yet in, in the playoffs, right? I mean, Jack Hughes is is Jack Hughes, but he's, you know, he doesn't bring that physicality, right? And same with Nico Heischer. I mean, nowhere near as close as Matthew Kachuk. And and not only that, but I think Carolina's strength is down the middle, and now you've got to worry about your wingers having to match up against them, where I don't think they are as strong uh, when you when you look at their positional, you know, wh- you know who's favored and at what position. And so if I've got to go, you know, if I've got to send, you know, Seth Jarvis or – uh, you know, Martin Nishas up against Matthew Kachuk. Uh, Kachuk's going to win that battle every single time. So, so this will be interesting. Um, I do think it's going to take seven games, but ultimately for me, the X factor is Matthew Kachuk, and I think Florida takes it in seven. Okay. Um, I, I do just want to note that you have picked against the Hurricanes in all three rounds so far. <laughs> I have, yeah, picked, and I'll uh, continue to do so. Yeah. Yes. Uh, what was it the Islanders? They play the Islanders in the first round? Yep. Yeah. You picked them as well, but yep, that's uh, right. Uh, I think you picked the Islanders in six. Let's let me oh, let me take a peek here. I yeah, picked, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Six. Peek. Yep. Yeah. I I don't know why I remember that. Of all the things that I don't remember, <laughs> my wife <laughs> would love that. My wife would love that. Katie would be be thrilled. Uh, yes. Okay. So I I'm I have picked the Carolina Hurricanes in the first two rounds, and I will continue to do so here in the third round against the Panthers. I just think that they are top to bottom. They're just showing that they are the pure team here. And uh, I, I, I got to go hurricanes. I'm, I'm not picking against them. And uh, 
I'm going to ride, ride or die with the Hurricanes at this point. I think that they are going to get this done in six games. Six, okay. And win that last game in Florida. Um, yeah, it's just, I, I think that Carolina just has the stronger team system. I think that Florida got pretty fortunate against the Leafs. I think it could have very easily been a split 2-2 series going back to uh, to Toronto, and it just it just wasn't. And I think that Carolina, who has been there far more times than the Leafs have in the last five years, uh, Carolina and Carolina has been to the conference finals. I think that the majority of this team they they know how to win. They know what it's going to take. And Florida just, uh, you know, this is their their next step for Florida, but I don't think they're going to get past the Hurricanes. Although I'll say this, I also secretly hope they kind of do. Like, I love (laughs) what I like watching them. I just don't like watching who they beat the last time they played. Ah. Yeah. You know, like I they're fun to watch. and, And Matthew Kachuk is I mean, he's like a cheat code sometimes because you like it's like you're playing a video game and you get to punch someone in the face, steal the puck and score. That's I feel like there's like an old Nintendo hockey game where you could actually shoot people and you killed the players, but they were like robots or something and you could kill the other players on the ice and steal the puck. Don't remember what game that was Uh, probably a terrible game. Like if you were go back, play it now, it's probably just God awful. Um, but anyways, uh, let's go to the Dallas Stars facing off against the well, who, uh, Vegas Golden Knights. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> like, wait. I almost said the Calgary Flames. I don't know why. They did not make the playoffs. Had to check myself uh, before I completely wrecked myself there. Uh, yeah, the, the Dallas Stars taking off against the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. Golden Knights are here for the first time since... Their inaugural season uh, when they went to the Stanley Cup Finals and ultimately lost to the Washington Capitals. And the Dallas Stars are here for the first time, I think, since uh, 2020, since the bubble. Since the bubble. And this is a very different Dallas Stars team since the bubble, by the way. Um, there was no Jason Robertson. There was uh, no no Rupe Hints. So uh, this was he there? Was Rupe Hintz? Rupe Hintz? Oh, it, he was there, but he, he was, was there, you know, yeah. third line guy. Yeah, yeah, he put up thirteen points. So, yeah, yeah, he was. But no, no, Jason Robertson, which certainly, uh, you know, changes the complexion of of this team. This team just it feels like a completely different different iteration of that Dallas Stars team, even though it is in reality a lot of the pieces are the same. Well, no, John Klingberg, no right. Anton Kudobin, right? Yeah. So, you know they they haven't they they've got here on the backs of other players and not necessarily riding Anton Kudobin now uh, like they did, you know, with Jake Ottinger, right? He, yep. Jake Ottinger, while he's played well, hasn't carried them in the playoffs. I mean, yet, he's so. had some god-awful games. He, yeah. I mean, it's it's fair to say that they almost lost this series because of Jake Ottinger. Uh, you're not you're not too off about that. Yeah. So. Um, I, well, let's start with goaltending because obviously Ottinger is going to start for the Dallas Stars. He had a great game seven, uh, almost left with the shutout. 19 seconds left to go. The Seattle Kraken scored a, to break the shutout, but uh, he played great. Hopefully is on back on track for Dallas's sake. And the Vegas Golden Knights, I'm guessing, are going to ride Aiden Hill until they can't anymore, until he gets hurt too. Uh, but... The, the Vegas Golden Knights certainly in goal are at the big disadvantage, right? Because they're kind of playing with different guys in front of them every night. 
Yeah, I mean, so that's the thing, right? If you if you look at comparatively speaking, Jake Ottinger is he's a star goaltender, right? And Aiden Hill, Brassois, whoever's in that, they're not star goaltenders, right? I mean, it's just it's fair to say that there's no comparison. Um, it's you know almost like you know the first round series when you had uh, you know the New York Rangers up against the Devils, right? You just kind of looked at it and you like, okay, cool, they've got Shostak in there, but there's no star goaltender on New Jersey's right. end, anyways. But that didn't matter in that case, right? Because um, if you can't score, it doesn't really matter how good your goaltending is. And even, you know, Shesterkin trying to make all the offense for them, uh, which is not going to be the case here for Aiden Hill or, or Ottinger. But, yeah, I mean, obviously the edge goes to Dallas. They've got the number one guy, the guy who is supposed to, you know, put this team, you know, when needed on his back some games and, and win them a game or two when they just can't get any offensive going. And so, um, you know, that's not going to be the case in Vegas. They're not going to expect Aiden Hill to steal a game, although – you know, he might certainly play like that from time to time. But for me, it's it's going to be about depth scoring and the ability to get it from, you know, your top three lines in, in Vegas. Yeah, I mean, that's how they did it against Edmonton. And uh, that and just can they dominate five on five play? Like they're a very good five on five team and they, they don't necessarily need the power play to kill you. Uh Dallas too is a really good five on five team. So I like I, I think this is going to be one of the best series of the playoffs because of that fact. Both teams good five on five, and both teams heavily loaded up front, like solid depth throughout. Dallas has Rupe Hints, who's basically like he's the Con Smythe favorite if the Dallas Stars win the cup, in my opinion. And I mean, it's a complete and utter coming out party for him. He obviously is a good player, like. There was no doubt that Rupe Hintz was a really good player. Uh, you know, two back-to-back 72, 75-point seasons. Uh, but my goodness, he he's never really gone on a stretch like this. Nine goals in 13 games. He got 19 points. He has been exactly what the Dallas Stars need. He scored big, timely goals. And uh, even, you know... When you've got Rupe Hintz going and you look the other side and you go, well, Jason Robertson, who scored 46 in the regular season, has two through 13 games. I know he has 12 points, but uh, two goals through 13 games. Uh, thank goodness Rupe Hintz is scoring the way he is, but uh, I I just look at Dallas and Vegas and go, man, these top two top sixes going against each other, it's going to be really fun to watch. Like I'm, I'm way more excited about this series, if I'm honest, uh, than I am for the, the other series. I don't know. I, yeah. I just feel like this is like two heavyweights going against each other. Yeah, I buy into that. And, um, you know, the one advantage I will say when you look at five on five play, right, if you have to come back to the defensive side of things, uh, I've got to kind of tip my cap to or tip the needle a little bit towards Vegas. Because to me, when I look down the middle, right, uh, we know Rupe Hintz is going to be phenomenal. Similar with Jack Eichel. I think they're both going to bring their A games and going to bring fantastic series. Um, now, the one thing, you know, Jack Eichel obviously doesn't really get it done in the faceoff circle. But when you look beyond that, right, Chandler Stevenson, uh, you know, William Carlson, these guys are phenomenal two-way players. Um, they are going to get it done and play so good defensively, I think, against this Dallas team. And so my question is, can Dallas's centers beyond Ruby Hinson match up for that, right? Can Tyler Sagan, can, you know, Ty Johnson, can these guys get it done, um, you know, similar to Carlson and Stevenson? That's going to be the big question mark for me if I'm a Dallas fan right now because, you know, again, you know, if, if Ben gets slow, if he slows down a little bit, if Sagan can't find another gear or, or keep up his pace, um, boy, it's it's going to be a long series if they got to rely just solely on that that top line of Hints, you know, Robertson and, and Joe Pa. Yeah, obviously. I mean, 
we've seen though with Dallas, I mean, they, they don't need to just rely on, on those, that one line. Uh, it's, it's coming from everywhere. I mean, Jamie Ben, even he's, I know he has, he's only scored two goals in 13, just like Jason Robertson still putting up 10 points. Uh, they've been, they've been getting pretty balanced scoring. Uh, I mean, even what Dadanov, I mean, he, he played really well in that series against Seattle. You know, he had, yeah. uh, He's had five point or four points in the last in those those final five games. Like he's score like uh, helping out on big goals. Uh, I I like the way that he's playing. They they just have depth everywhere. And uh, no, I absolutely agree. I think outside of Joe Pavelski's twenty goals he scored in that that seven game series, right. it seemed like, like uh, you know seven, what I mean? did he have, he ended up having seven right. Yeah, seven which is goals. The, the most goals for uh, somebody his age. Yep, and thirty eight well, or older. I yeah. think it was. Um, but Max Domi to me was so much fun to watch. He just he brought that that depth that Dallas truly missed a couple seasons ago when they did make it to the conference finals in the Stanley Cup final. Because um, you know again he's he's bringing balance so that that way when you know Hints isn't getting it done right. Max Domi he's you know he plays center but he can also go on the wing as well. So he provides a lot of flexibility when guys like you know Ben and Sagan need a little boost and he still brings speed. And he he plays a, a, an okay enough two way game where I don't worry about him you know, coughing up the puck a lot, making a lot of defensive mistakes. He plays well enough. And, you know, even though he's, you know, getting it done uh, five on five, you know, he could still slide in there and, and do it on the power play if they need him to. Now he hasn't got any points on the power play because they rely so heavily on that, that top, you know, power play unit. But, you know, if, Hey, if they, if they start to, you know, falter a little bit, I, I would not see, be surprised to see Domi take over and, and give them a little booster on that second unit. You know, I think something that, uh, not fair for Max Stone. I mean, you know he's he's played eight seasons in the NHL and he's played for six teams. <laughs> yeah, like I mean th- th- that wild. is a huge lack of stability. Uh, you know, I know he he was in Arizona. He gets traded to Montreal, and his first year in Montreal, he's unbelievable. Expectations go way up for him, and he kind of struggles from there. I think we all knew that this was somewhere in there. You know that there was a a really good second line center. You know he's playing third line center, but like that really good middle center who can put up points and can skate. And I think he's finally in a situation where he definitely is not the guy, but he's got a lot of talent around him. And you know, honestly, when he played for with Carolina last year in the playoffs, he played pretty well. You know, yeah, six points in the fourteen games and. uh I, I thought at times he looked really good, and I think he's found a home here in Dallas. I, I I hope that at the end of this year he ends up re-signing in Dallas. Like, there's nothing. I I I'd feel terrible for him if he Dallas doesn't want him or they can't fit him, and he has to go to his seventh team in nine years. That's crazy. That's a lot of moving. Um, and and yeah. how do you settle in anywhere? Exactly. That's the thing. How do you get comfortable? How do you learn a system? Right. I mean, we, yeah. we talked about it with, you know, um, you know, some other guys in the playoffs this year, right. Just they're, they're coming in, you know, last minute with Timo Meyer, for example, right. You can't get used to the system. You can't learn everything this quick sometimes. Yeah. And, and really, so if he gets that opportunity to, to find a home really can fit in, especially with, you know, tied to Landria, Wyatt Johnston, like I talked about earlier, these young guys coming up, if they can sort of, you know, they maybe you know by bringing in a guy like Max Domi long term, 
Now, who clearly expect, fits. Who clearly right, fits. Who clearly fits. You don't expect Ty John, you know, Ty Delandria and Wyatt Johnson to come in you and be world yeah, leaders, right? You don't need them to to take on as much if you have a guy right. like Domi around. They for can a whole come season. up a little bit slower, right? Develop a little bit more, um, you know, and and get to the point where now they can, you know, hopefully by the time they develop, maybe twenty three, twenty four, where they've they've started to hit their peak. Guys like Tyler Sagan, right? Jamie Ben are on the other way out, and so. Now you have this perfect transition to bring these guys in and you didn't rush them and, you know, ruin their potential like maybe what Arizona did with Max Domi. Yeah. All right. Where are you at with this series? Who's going to win it? Oh, boy. You know, ultimately for me, I, I think it really comes down to, um, you know, the four groups up front. Um, I, I really think Jason Robertson is going to take another step, you know, when we talk about goal scoring, right? He's putting up offense, but I think he's going to produce a little bit more than what he did against Seattle. But ultimately, I think uh, the the forward depth, especially down the middle for Vegas, is going to come to play. I think guys like Mark Stone, uh, William Carlson, how well they play defensively, I think is going to stifle a lot of the younger guys like, you know, Ty Delandry and Wyatt Johnson I talked about, and maybe even, you know, Evgeny Dandenoff, because if they can't you know, beat them up front. It's it's going to be a, a long series for Dallas, but ultimately, I'm going to take Vegas in six. Vegas in six games. Wow. Yeah, okay. they were my Stanley Cup pick. To well, outside of New York, I wanted Vegas, New York. Right. So right. um, I'm sticking with them all the way, baby. So you're going with a Vegas and Florida, Florida final. final. Interesting. I that d- will not be good for the the ratings. I'll tell you that no, right now. So no. Vegas, <laughs> Vegas, okay. Vegas, yes. Florida, not so much. Um. Well, but we neither are will Carolina either. So <laughs> I, I do like this because we've we're picking completely opposite. I love it. Um, I'm going to go Dallas. I, I am going to I'm going to say this. This stretches into seven games. It seems like Dallas takes a minute to kind of feel out their opponent. Um, so I can see this one. You know, maybe Dallas is down two one in the series and uh, Ottinger goes out, wins a big game four, and then it's a best of three. And, and from there, we just kind of, you know, we find our way back in Dallas for a game seven. But ultimately, I think it's it's Ottinger. You've, you've got the, the best goalie left in the playoffs, and it's going to pay dividends for you yeah. now. So, so let me tell you this. I wanted to pick Vegas in seven because I do think this is going to be a long series and probably going to be an entertaining series. But I don't want the series to go seven because Peter DeBoer is seven and zero in game sevens. So true that. Yes, I did see that actually right Not before we. Uh, yeah. So basically, you're saying if it goes to seven games, then you're. They're not going to. Then win. it's got to be Dallas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. All right. Well, we. Uh, it's that's always fun when we have different, completely different picks. So this this round will definitely set up. Uh, you know, it'll it'll change the the points here in our little competition. So I think I'm I'm up by one point, right? You're up by one. If if you happen to win both of these, there's no way I'm coming back. Yeah, true, so. true. If you win both of them, we could tie. Well, we, we I could guess have a depending good on the games or, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll yeah we'll we'll come to that place when we get there. Which uh, next week will be our 300th show, so stay tuned for that. And uh, I know that's what that's what you're looking forward to. Yeah, I can't wait for these guys' 300th show. <laughs> I'm not really even going to watch the watch Give the, the people what I'm they want. Excited for that 300th show. Uh, yeah, we'll. Uh, you know, I my plan was to dress you up like. Uh, a, a hockey mascot. We'll make our own overtime hockey mascot and uh, just we'll go to a bar and we'll let a drunk guy. You can be in the costume because I don't want to get punched in the face, but you have to get punched in the face. 
great. That's what we'll do for our 300th episode. Looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, we will. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at OT Hockey Talk. Justin, any final words before we uh, before we sign off and before everybody jumps into the conference finals on Thursday? Boy, final thoughts? Um, no, not really. I'm just I'm looking forward to some playoff hockey here, baby. This third round is going to be fun. Although I do have to. Um, you know, decide if I want to keep sling TV or go with someone else now at this point to finish it off. So <laughs> yeah. Cause your month is almost be, up. Yeah, you're, exactly. You're, you're half off month. Well, yep, you exactly. just use a different email address. Ah, I like where your head's at. Yeah. Just, just use, I, I want to say that I have like 18 Gmail. <laughs> I, I have done so many trials of sling. It's hilarious. Um, uh, like last year in the playoffs, I did it. I don't have it in the regular season. I don't really need it. Uh, I can usually like I usually don't have a problem with like you know finding the game on one of these other <laughs> less than uh, from less than you know shady websites for for regular season games but for the playoffs it's like I want to watch I don't want to have to worry about it buffering halfway through the game or something like that so right but anyways uh, now that you all know that we are deviants in the streaming world we'll uh, talk to you guys soon <laughs> bye. <laughs>